Today on the Tech Bytes podcast, we explore an SD-WAN deployment. Our sponsor is VMware, and we're speaking with CoEvolve, a VMware partner that worked with a customer in the automotive industry. This customer needs to share large CAD files between global sites, but its traditional MPLS WAN isn't cutting it. Our guest is Kieran Roach. He is co-founder and CTO of CoEvolve. Uh, Kieran, welcome to the podcast, and can you give us a brief overview of CoEvolve and your partnership with VMware? Absolutely. So at Coevolve, we're really a purpose-built business for enterprises that are trying to make transitions like this. So we, we set the business up in 2014 because we could see so much change happening in enterprise networks, but not enough of a focus on the, the service model used to take enterprises from the old to the new. So we started looking at the viable technologies out there. We had a very early partnership with VeloCloud back in 2015 mm -hmm. and one of the first partners to really deploy that globally. And we've really built the partnership with VMware from that. So we've deployed it in about 80 countries today, many thousands of sites. And um, our clients are using our telco independent approach. So we use about 500 telcos and ISPs in that underlay layer and really optimizing it down to the site level to get the right choice of providers at each of the locations and then manage it using a whole range of intelligence services across the top. So that's really our core competency is helping enterprises on that type of journey. Okay. And VeloCloud was the SD-WAN company that VMware acquired and folded into their networking group. So let's talk about your, the customer, Auto Pacific Group. What was the state of their WAN when they came to you? So they were in a pretty difficult situation when we first started working with them. They were uh, in the middle of essentially a demerger. So they were separating out certain regions of the business into their own autonomous networks. And like a lot of enterprises, all of the infrastructure that they had to, to their locations was based on MPLS technology. And in the US or Western Europe, that's maybe okay. You can get a decent amount of bandwidth in many of your locations, but they had a lot of locations in really challenging geographies in Southeast Asia, remote parts of Australia and so on, where they were really capacity constrained. So they had uh, that MPLS connectivity, but they just weren't able to get the bandwidth that they needed to be able to run all of these modern applications that they were trying to migrate to as part of that business transition. So the network was really the piece that was holding them back, even though they had all these ambitious plans for what to do with the rest of IT, they just couldn't achieve that using the, the legacy infrastructure that they had. And that's a pretty common story, isn't it? That's uh, it's not just the MPLS or the traditional fixed WAN circuits. It's also the cost and the reliability. You get so little bandwidth at such high cost that you can't be flexible. You get locked in and you actually get a, a bit of a Stockholm syndrome where you feel like there's no way out, don't you? Yeah, and it's so true in these uh, markets where you, know, you kind of cringe when you see the price come from the telco and it comes with a three-year lock-in and all of the inflexibility that comes with that. So yeah, a lot of our mm. clients come with that history of you know, really having that painful relationship and then trying to work around it with you know, one optimization appliances and all sorts of tricks to try to squeeze every last kilobit per second out of yeah. the circles. But yeah, it's pretty challenging. Fiddling around with cost to the to the nth degree and really just making it worse, not better. Yeah, I exactly. guess the second part of designing an ESD-WAN is about the applications. So, and the applications are sort of related to the business problems. Were they doing just the usual, you know, email, sharing files, printing, or did they have more? They had uh, all of those and more. So uh, definitely part of the challenge was that even those applications are becoming more demanding. And you know, as they move to, to cloud-based platforms and your file share moves from an on-prem server to uh, OneDrive or something like that. So all of a sudden you create these new traffic flows that didn't exist before. But this business also had a whole extra set of challenges in the, the whole area of CAD files. So their business really depends mm -hmm. on being able to transmit 
you know, large files, you know, often many gigabytes in size over the network. And again, very capacity constrained and, you know, high latency in many cases between these locations, that's sort of a recipe for poor performance for those types of transfers. So mm-hmm. they, they were particularly focused on finding a solution for that so that they could just make their team. So the key one was large CAD files in, yeah, really between was, remote yeah. sites, like factories yeah. in odd locations. That that's exactly not- it, yep. Yeah, they're not connected right on the top of a fiber optic backbone, and where they could buy a hundred gig circuit if they for you know little money. This is factories in the middle of nowhere, taking advantage of exactly. cheap land and low cost labor, sort of thing. Yep, but very, very poor connectivity along with it. So yeah, and these are it's not a, a side application. This is the the most <laughs> business the critical business. application. Yeah. That's what they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious because I you know I could see a telco saying well, MPLS is the perfect solution for your CAD needs because it is a private circuit as opposed to going over the internet, which is best effort. So, you know, how did you bring SD-WAN to them and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to use the internet for this? Yeah, it's, I think that's a, a conversation we end up having with a lot of our clients. And what we see in that space is that the majority of innovation in terms of access technologies and just finding ways to stretch capacity, that's all happening at the edge with local providers. And in many cases, it's being done to support the residential demand. But if you're an enterprise that can shop around and find the right types of products, you can kind of piggyback on that and, and gain a lot of benefits from it. So we we started by demonstrating the the potential commercial and technical case to show we can go from really capacity constrained, sort of like two meg or four meg of of MPLS capacity at some of these sites up to 10 times that capacity or more, and also show significant savings at the underlay at the same time. And we've got so much data from our previous deployments that we could show we're actually probably going to keep the the end-to-end latency and packet loss and those sort of levels, at least on a par from where they were previously, if not improving it. So we're finding a lot of clients are really open-minded to that approach of taking an engineering-based approach to architecting the network. So instead of having an SLA that might pay you out $50 if the circuit performs poorly that month, you kind of ignore the the potential of that and build in the level of uh, resilience from uh, multiple connections and using different providers and growing Mm -hmm. that capacity quite significantly. And then put the SD-WAN technology across the top to smooth out the gaps and the kind of brown- This is the use of any bandwidth anywhere it's not just limited to a one carrier and their MPLS network and trying to run legacy routing protocols on the top. This is using SD-WAN, load balancing, flow balancing across multiple types and, you know, that type of stuff. It really changes the game in that sense. It, it does. And we're huge yeah. proponents of that. And we mentioned using 500 providers. That's That's a real number out of our client deployments because they see the benefits of optimizing it down to that level and and picking whatever works at that site. And if that's a low earth orbit satellite and combined with a four or 5G uh, cellular connection, maybe that's the best you can get at that location. But our approach allows them to have that flexibility if that's the right choice at that location. Uh, And you can incorporate SD-WAN into a 5G and a satellite connection? Yeah, we've got clients doing that today. And we mentioned this client being in the manufacturing vertical. That's true of a lot of our clients. In general, the more remote and the more challenging the connectivity requirements that the enterprise has, the better fit they are for this type of model because they're just so far off the the kind of mm. core network footprint for most of the telcos that they're really crying out for a better approach to this connectivity. 
I think the other value is the permission. You don't need to ask for permission. Like so many times when you're dealing with legacy WAN circuits, you have to beg them to come and install it at your site. Whereas if you're using public WAN bandwidth, you know, internet, there's no permissions. You just tell them you want it connected and they come in and connect it, you know, within a week or two. It's not like, you know, you have to wait for some special mystical spell to be cast from head office and (laughs) they bring out the magical device and install it locally and you, you wait weeks or months for that. Yeah, it's true. And we do that all the time. We'll we'll find or a client will find a better deal on a circuit or a new technology becomes available. They can often just plug that into the the existing edge appliance mm. and the pool of bandwidth just gets bigger. You don't even have to schedule downtime or reboot devices or anything like that. It's uh you know, it's a really simple change that even a local admin type resource at an office can do. So yeah, it's a mm. world of difference compared to how it was previously with you know, engineers going on site with their console cables and, you know, dealing with the provider's device. And I, I, I don't miss that. I must say, I mean, I it, no disrespect. It did seem very romantic when I was in my early twenties, but it very quickly wore off. And uh, I do quite like that. What about other apps like video conferencing? So a lot of people say that this remote working and all using video services is a big deal. Is SD-WAN working for that in your experience? In, in our experience, it's, again, a really key enabler for that. So we're seeing it now, you know, companies trying to entice workers back to the office. And you've got so much more collaboration happening when those people are in the office. They're talking to half their team that's that's operating remotely. So, again, you know, think back to the MPLS days, if you know, the word video conferencing was probably the most scary topic you bring up and you start looking at how many simultaneous channels you'd have and calls and mm. what bit rate it would be. None of that is is really applicable in the, the more modern collaboration platforms. The enterprises mm. and the users expect to just turn on their just Teams to turn it on and work. well they get it at home work. yeah exactly like yeah. you go home and, and and teams or zoom works fine they go into the office and then you have to use this weird thing and it just doesn't work the same and yeah i guess local breakout is a key issue here it, it is and you know mm. that's really you know one of the key use cases we see for sd1 is is taking clients away from that closed private network where all of the the breakout is done centrally and distributing that breaking out locally using maybe cloud security services along the way mm-hmm. to to do the inspection and filtering that you need to do, but you keep it as far away from your data center and your hub as you can. It just doesn't make sense to bring that traffic back to those locations anymore. So as you started rolling out SD-WAN with Auto Pacific Group, did they notice a difference? Did, did CAD performance improve? Did access to cloud improve? Yeah, so they saw pretty much immediate improvements across the board with those applications. So you know, like a lot of businesses, they were quite uh, restricted in the past as to when they could use video and using policies to manage down resolution of calls, you know, video calls and so on. So they were able to offer much more flexibility to their team as a result. So they saw file transfer times improve dramatically. They were able to see much better use of those types of collaboration tools and really take full advantage of that cloud first approach that they were trying to adopt on a broader basis the the network stopped being an inhibitor to that and actually enabled a lot of those types of uh, of traffic flows and what about cost savings because in talking to other folks who have rolled that SD-WAN sort of the the aha moment is when they see the bill come in after they've either moved off MPLS or begin to move off MPLS. <laughs> it's got to cost more, doesn't it? <laughs> got to cost more for all this goodness, right? I know, right? And <laughs> it feels but, like you should Luckily, it doesn't. And uh, I I think that's especially true in some of these really remote geographies where Mm. 
the the cost per megabit per second of that bandwidth is just astronomical on those private networks. So the Mm. client in this case was able to see some really significant savings sort of in the order of magnitude of 40% (laughs) overall, even while achieving some of those really significant bandwidth increases. And and that's a common story we hear across Mm. the board when we go through these projects that you're, you're achieving huge funding, huge savings on the underlay that can then be used to fund the overlay component and the co-managed services mm. and all of the other and intelligence you put across the top. And you get visibility and monitoring and asset management as well. Uh, but f- I will say that 40% is conservative. I've heard numbers of more in some cases, depending on yeah. your network and your situation and how you go about it. So, yeah. We, we, yeah, we see that. And we see clients that don't necessarily want to pocket all of those savings, but they'll invest mm. in the network or invest in the managed services at the same time so that the mm. the total project TCO benefits are still very respectable, but they've achieved all those other benefits as well. So we, we definitely see clients go different yeah. directions. 10x bandwidth, cut off the budget and you've also got somebody else helping you to run and operate it. You get visibility, monitoring, asset management. I want to go back to the question around uh, security because you said local breakout is a very popular thing in an SD-WAN environment and that tends to lead into a security discussion because if you're letting people or you want to let people break out to the internet locally, you don't want to backhaul that bandwidth over your SD-WAN. You just want to, you know, if it's internet bound, just let it go locally and let the the internet provider handle that. Is uh, ha- have you been working with the the VMware VelaCloud SASE product for the security? We have yes, and again that aligns well with where our clients are going. So we've had a lot of history in this space. You know, we've had a long partnership with some of the other cloud security providers and integrated that technology into the SD WAN product probably for six years. So we know the the use case pretty well and. For us, having that as a, an emerging area of functionality and sort of directly integrated into the SD-WAN product was pretty attractive because that's exactly the traffic flow that users want. They want to go directly from the branch office, take advantage of all that high capacity broadband connectivity they've got, but then have mm. consistent security policies and visibility across the organization then no matter what that user is doing or what office they're in. So that's, I think, a, a really interesting way forward. and again, aligns with where this client and a lot of other clients are going, that they want to take away those central bottlenecks. They want to be able to take advantage of cloud-based infrastructure, but you can't just have it in one place. It's got to be distributed. It's got to be able to deliver uh, a really Mm. good level of performance, no matter where the user is, even if they're in some of those more difficult markets. I think it's interesting because you don't have to do the security admin on site. You can backhaul a lot of it out to the cloud, or you can choose to do it on site with the VMware SASE solution, right? Yeah, and we see clients do that all the time today. And there's always anomalies. There's local banking websites or government payroll systems that you can only access in country or off a specific IP. So having that flexibility to steer that traffic locally, directly over that circuit with that IP, but then everything else you can take centrally or we see clients even being more granular than that. They'll take something Mm. like all of the Microsoft traffic and because there's all sorts of uh, advanced threat protection built into that at an application layer, they'll say, let's bypass the cloud security, go straight to the nearest Microsoft POP and use Mm. again the SD-WAN as sort of the the traffic director there to figure out what application is it, which way is it going to go and how's the the traffic going to be prioritized or whatever is being done from there. Mm. 
So you get very granular traffic. So customers are actually doing that highly granular traffic control, saying oh, Microsoft traffic, no inspection, no security, just send it. It's Microsoft, it's whatever. Uh, but other stuff you're saying, no, definitely I want a different level of security or logging or DLP applied. Yeah, we, we see that all the time. And having mm. profile level control of that is a really big thing. So they can say, mm. apply it at a profile level. And then there's you know dozens or hundreds even of sites can inherit that within a couple of minutes. So yeah. it, because it's so the, easy, we're seeing them use it. And the central policy engine means that you have the same policy on every device. You don't. And even if you have exceptions, it's, a, it's, it's very clear where the exceptions apply. Yeah, that's it. And then we go beyond even what's in the product to do things like configuration, drift tracking, and seeing where the site has deviated from the agreed standard and report back to the client on that. So, yeah, we're that's all within the Vela, within the SASE solution, within the VMware solution. It's not it, it, that's not a third party product or some mystical incantation or a bunch of Python scripts somebody wrote. That's uh, that's part of our smart services across the top. Right. So we we've invested in a lot of systems to be able to take the data from the SD WAN environments and then turn that back around into applications or modules that the client can consume. So either right, alerting okay. or reporting or so you're extending the, things like that. So Coevolve is extending the VMware solution. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, that does bring us to the end of our time with Kieran. Uh, there'll be links in the show notes that accompany this podcast to find resources to VMware and Coevolve if you want to get more information. Uh, in the meantime, thanks, Kieran, for joining us. And thanks to VMware for being a sponsor. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find many more fine free technical podcasts and our community blog, it's all at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. Find us on LinkedIn, hear us on Spotify, see us on YouTube, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.